As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota's hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power, savings with style, and tons of top tech. Think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota hybrids. Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome in to the Bulls Talk Podcast presented by Toyota. I am Rob Schaefer, alongside Tony Gill today, the NBC Sports Chicago so, studios. Uh, I just caught myself, Tony. I was mm-hmm. doing some great podcasting, and then I realized I should set the show up so we can actually yeah. use this. We can actually use it in the recording. <laughs> it's a vet move. Yeah, it is a vet move. I'm, I'm getting better at this. Uh, <laughs> getting better at this thing. Uh, listen, the Bulls got blown out again on yep. Wednesday in New Orleans. Uh It was a competitive first half. Mm -hmm. Felt pretty similar by the fourth quarter to the Denver game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the issues were different, but the sentiment of, damn, they're getting run, is the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, So today we don't have Jason in. We don't have KC in. I don't know if we really have, like, news items to break down. We might might get a Patrick Williams update. He rolled his ankle last night in the middle of the show. We'll quickly update you guys if that happens. But what I wanted to do is interview a Bulls fan. That's Tony Gill. I'm not a Bulls fan. I'm a Bulls reporter. I care mm-hmm. about the team. I care about Bulls fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do not personally live and die viscerally every night, every possession mm-hmm. with this team in the way that a fan does. I have some ideas of what I think is wrong with this team. A lot of ideas. Uh, but I wanted to get the fans' perspective on what is ailing this team some solutions maybe we can find or, or maybe there are no solutions. Yeah. See, and this is what, so this is what I was saying before the show. Tony is maybe the worst Bulls fan we could have picked to interview for this thing because you've been, I don't want to say down, you've been very pragmatic and realistic about this team mm-hmm. since really the free agent frenzy of 2021. So I don't get the sense that the team performing like this being six and nine through 15 games and a lot of the advanced stats look bad. I don't get the sense that this surprises you that much, but I ask anyway. What what's what's what are your gripes, Tony? Like what what are your biggest frustrations with this team? And we'll we'll just do event session. Uh, at the very least, um, Bulls fans expect their teams to play hard. So despite talent or lack of talent throughout the years, right? You had the baby Bulls. You had um, you know the Derrick Rose Bulls. You knew that when they suited up that even though the other team may be more talented overall, that they needed to get ready because the Bulls were going to play to the whistle, that they are going to play hard, um, and that's everybody. You're going to get the first wave of the starters, and then that the bench mob is going to come in and give you some too. Um, at minimal, you want a total team effort in wins, and – for the last week or so, we haven't seen that. That's probably the most disappointing thing about what's going on right now uh, for the Bulls and for Bulls fans. 
Bulls fans invest a lot of energy, resources, time, money in watching and supporting this team. Uh, and you notice there only was a change when the fan attendance started to dip a little bit. In the 2019-20 right. season, which and it was... Took, yeah. It took a long time to get to that point because yeah. this, this city loves the Bulls. And as we can tell by, you know, the numbers, we've done pieces on it about how the nation feels about... The world. The world feels about the Bulls and that Bulls red and that uniform. There is a con- deep, deep connection to this team that it gets constantly taken advantage of all the time. And when you go out there and you play like that uh, in their most recent game against the New Orleans Pelicans, that is the most disappointing thing, I think, for a Bulls fan. So you saw, so you saw effort and energy as issues again yes. on Wednesday. Because I, I personally, in the first half at least, thought they came out a little better, came out with a better pace, especially offensively. New Orleans is shooting the lights out. But there still are enough of these defensive breakdowns that you wonder about the focus and, and the connectivity mm-hmm. of the group. And then obviously in the second half, like when the wheels fall off, I don't know. I'm only watching on TV, but body language, like it just doesn't, it doesn't feel yeah. right. And what strikes me is I remember last year around this time, obviously the Bulls, you know, uh, were world beaters this time last year. Mm-hmm. I remember we cut a commercial for our, for our, you know, uh, TV channel, whatever. Oh, yeah, like. I was saying it. I remember it. No, and you were saying something to the effect of, like, the one thing that we know about this Bulls team is that mm-hmm. they are going to – I don't remember what – do you remember what verbiage you used? Yeah, yeah, that they – you know, they're, they're not going to give up, essentially. Mm-hmm. That no matter what happens in that first half, that second half – and they were doing it. Statistically, you saw mm-hmm. if they were down in the, you know, in the first half, they were coming back and smacking people in the mouth in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And – that was something that you got used to, at least for the first two to three months of last year, that I felt comfortable enough to say that because they were doing it. Mm-hmm. So that that's essentially what I was saying. And, you know, ironically, the Bulls, I think uh, we had a stat on our broadcast, have had the second best point differential in third quarters this year mm-hmm. coming into last night. Mm-hmm. They got their teeth kicked in in the third <laughs> quarter last night, 37-25 New Orleans. Uh, they're now 1-5 in, in their last six games. So you said the last week – I'd zoom it out to the last two weeks of just mm-hmm. of losing. Now, granted, not all of those games are non-competitive like Denver and New Orleans have been. You've got the Boston loss, which was a four-point loss. You've got that New Orleans loss at home, which was disappointing as a loss in a couple ways, but wasn't necessarily of that non-competitive variety. But then you look at the big picture of the last six games, and I, I get it's a small sample, but uh, we're comparing to the rest of the league here just right. in terms of the last two weeks. 25th in offense. 26th in defense, 27th in net rating over the last six games. The defense has slipped, uh, you know, just looking at the uh, the four factors, like a lot of the primary, like, statistical ways that you can look at what contributes to bigger picture numbers like that. Not forcing opponent turnovers in the way that they were at the beginning of the season, fouling too much, rebounding at an average rate, mm-hmm. still obviously offensively, offensively turning the ball over a ton, mm-hmm. still not taking or making enough threes, um, and then they're get the Bulls are getting to the foul line less uh, over the last two weeks, and we know that they're not an offensive rebounding you know team. They're just not a team that's going to do that at an above average rate. So there's been a lot of drop off from the beginning of this, like the first nine, ten, eleven games of the season when, yeah, they were scraping around 500, but you felt like they were in games, and you felt like you know the schedule's tough, it'll soften up. That's still true. You mm-hmm. know the schedule will get lighter. Um, but to me, even 15 games in, there should be 
some urgency. Yeah. Moving forward. Let's let's go here. What do you think is what do you consider putting the numbers aside? I can bring in numbers if we want to use them, but what do you see when you watch the games or what do you feel are the kind of primary contributing factors to this kind of lackluster stretch? Like is it something that we can tweak? Is it something that you know, people are calling to change the starting lineup. The numbers support that the starting lineup has not been great. Minus 6.6 points per 100 possessions, 101.8 offense, 108.4 defense, and it's the only five-man unit that has played over 100 minutes for this team. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Is it that simple, or is it deeper? Is it deeper rooted? I, I think it's deeper because despite Lonzo being out, um, the three big money guys are, have been there. Mm-hmm. Same thing and as last year. Same. They... They aren't working. Uh, they had the summer kind of, I mean, at least to get to know each other better. Like, not saying that they played, you know, basketball together over the summer. But what was preached to us was continuity. And that continuity is degrading. Um, it seemed like it's crumbling. And, again, we mentioned it on, well, you guys mentioned it on uh, Tuesday's podcast, it's feeling like it's all going to be on Lonzo to fix it. And it's bigger than him. It's way bigger than him. Um, and it feels like if I had to pick out, you know, like DeMar, for example, it feels like DeMar's like waiting around to see, all right, could we get back to what we were doing last year? Um, and to his credit, they may have to. <laughs> if they keep getting blown out like this, uh, the last two weeks, they may have to just say, skip it. We are what we are. This is what it is. There's there's no room to try and grow anybody anymore. Because they do have to win this year. Yeah. I, I This is so funny because I have a I kind of have a meter in my head during games, right? Like when New Orleans came out in the third quarter last night mm-hmm. and they hit three threes in a row, and all of a sudden the Bulls are down 14 after being up in the second quarter and down five and a half. You can almost say like, okay, out of this timeout, I bet DeMar puts his head down right. and – you know, just tries to score their way back into it. And that's exactly what he did. He had 10 points in the mm-hmm. third quarter. It didn't end up making a dent on Wednesday night. But I, I totally agree. I think we should go into, because uh, everybody everybody gets accountability when you have stretches of play like mm-hmm. this, especially at such a crucial juncture in a crucial season for the for the franchise. But to me, I know everyone wants to talk about Billy. Bill, there are definitely shortcomings of Billy that we'll talk about. But to me... Like, the three best players through uh, 15 games, they've played 219 minutes together. Minus 14.4 net rating. 106.8 offense, 121.2 defense. Which, if that defensive rating didn't equate to, like, the worst team-wide defensive rating that's, like, ever been accumulated over the course of a full season, it's pretty close. I know it's around that range. Like, to me, we talked about this on the, the last episode where your three best players are two of them are current all-stars Vooch is uh, two years removed from being an all-star and they're offensive talents yeah I can't call any of them two-way players no I'd call them all negative defensively so you know obviously that's a that's a problem when you're three quote-unquote best players three highest paid players you've got uh you know I'm looking at the numbers here right now 85 to 90 million dollars (laughs) wrapped up in the three of them this year when they are negative defensively and like I'm sorry with the with all the new points of emphasis offensively they don't they just don't look like they know how to play together yeah especially in the way that Billy is trying to get the team to play this year 
it's a huge issue. Now that now that can maybe get better over time, like things like the turnover spiking, maybe could get better over time. But I keep going back to something that Billy, you know, has talked about a lot in his tenure where it's if we don't we speaking as Billy, if we don't establish an identity that we choose your identity gets decided for you because it's ju- right. you just revert back to your base tendencies yeah. when times get tough. These three guys, I mean, these three guys, their base tendencies at other points in their careers has been that they're better as ball dominant players or as isolation mm-hmm. heavy players. So I'm not going to declare after 15 games that it can't work better than it's worked right now. But it's hard to get. It's just it's just hard to give this group the benefit of the doubt, even with Lonzo coming back when. To me, like especially the last two games, just feels very similar. Yeah. To the stretch run of last season, and it feels similar. Like even post or, or pre Billy, right when they got down. Well, this is it? Like this feels familiar. What's yeah. going on? Well, they, the and they, they've had some comeback wins this year. Mm-hmm. So and now has a lot of that been sparked by the bench group, and maybe that's why. You know, when you look at the five man combinations uh, that have worked the best for the Bulls. Um, uh, it would take me a second to pull up, but mm-hmm. I think their best five-man unit in terms of total plus minus is the bench group with Jones, Drummond, Dragic, Caruso, mm-hmm. and Zach. Um, so, you know, that's where a lot of that comes from. But to me, like, there's just – Lonzo or not, there's just a, f- a fundamental issue when your three best players don't set a tone defensively and then when you're supposed to be an offensively-minded team, also it's kind of the fit has been clunky this year. Mm-hmm. Offensively, yeah, like even the numbers and to are me bearing, that's a, and the, it's a roster construction thing, right? Yeah, the the numbers are bearing out what I feared was going to be the issue when they signed and when they made the move to uh, to get Demar and Adam to Zach and uh, Vooch was the personality type too, mm-hmm. right? Like Will mentioned on the, the post game show. Yesterday, who's getting into somebody's face? We've been asking that question for three years. There's, there's Zach is not going to be that guy. We know who Zach Levine is. He is not that guy. He is not that type of leader. If you want to put the leader tag on him mm-hmm. in the first place, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So who do I get in free agency? Who do I trade for to supplement that? The the Patrick Beverly type guy that the the team is going to support and say, hey, just because you may not like him, we're not going to trade him. Right, we're gonna back him up. He's gonna be the coach. That's not the coach. Who's who is that person for this team? I guess it's Caruso in theory. Just fits the archetype of what you're mm-hmm. of what you're talking about there. Are you listening? I don't. I mean, that's so. The, and this is where the lines get blurred between mm-hmm. like, okay, we know the flaws of the roster. We know the 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 quote unquote big three, the three quote unquote best players, all star caliber player. Like we know that they have their flaws Mm -hmm. part of the beauty of the start of last season was that the fill the fill-ins around them Mm -hmm. were complimentary like Caruso and Lonzo you got two of the best point of attack defenders in the league you got guys that can force turnovers get you out on the break um you know it it seemed like a good mesh of player types but one I mean if it all falls apart if one guy's out obviously no one expected Lonzo to be out this long but if it all falls apart without one guy how great is that roster built in the first place mm-hmm. and then um you know I, I guess that's really the big point and it's and it gets to 
you know, the deeper stuff this year, the shooting, the two-way players, like all of that stuff existed this time last year. And I think I, and I know Billy, had questions even when it was going great last year about how sustainable even the fully formed group was. Right. So, you know, it's it's not as if, you know, they're, they're not the Warriors here. It's not like the Warriors who are 6-9 and nine and they right. have a, you know, a body of work built up um, that you can lean on or that you can give the benefit of the doubt to. This was just starting to coalesce with some early season success that you had to see if it translated against best teams. Because let's be real, too. I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to be a revisionist historian here, but that early season schedule last year ended up being cheeks, kind of cake. Like yeah. it ended up, Jeez. and it ended up they they caught some teams without their best players. Bulls had a COVID outbreak. Mm-hmm. A lot of the league ended up having that too. So I personally think that kind of evens out. And a, a new, point. a new, a new group of players that the league had to adjust to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think- uh, yeah, yeah. So and then that's what made it so amazing was all their coalescing so quickly. Mm-hmm. But there also was like a kind of catching people on their back foot. I don't want to re. Actually, I don't want to relitigate last season because I thought there was real stuff there. Yeah. That unfortunately, I just don't know with Lonzo up and so up in the air still. I just don't know how much we'll ever see that again. We kind of just have no choice but to analyze the group that's in front of us, mm-hmm. and it's deeply flawed. And again. The three best players are playing. Exactly. And they played all after the all. Now, Zach was banged up, and mm-hmm. Zach is still, I don't think, would say 100%. But this is the NBA. Like, you don't, you, you don't have the luxury of waiting. Like, windows close, oh, you know? yeah. Like, it, it, there's no, you don't, you don't get to, um, you know, play the game of, well, wait until now all the time. Mm-hmm. And right now, this, this team's window, only based on the resources that are invested, is right now. Right. And they're not playing like a team that's windows right now. Yeah. And, and no, again, the urgency factor, right? We can see, man, this this window is not as wide open as we thought. Who's, mm-hmm. who's going to make the team recognize that this window is, is not as clear, you know, as we thought it was or as they thought it was uh, heading into this season? I, I don't know who that guy is. Like, if, if it's supposed to be Caruso – I would prefer it to be one of the three best players. Mm-hmm. Like it's three of them. Mm-hmm. Somebody say something. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I think from a roster perspective, that's kind of where the buck has to start and stop. You know, we can't put it all on guys like. As much as we can criticize or nitpick, like we can't put it all on guys like Io or Pat. Yeah, um, they're watching those guys exactly. Um, you want to talk Billy? What do you put on yes. Billy? Um, as a fan. Billy says the right things, and he recognizes issues. Very, Billy Donovan is a smart basketball man. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that has been, you know, rumored across you know NBA circles, and when you watch his teams and the players, the star players that he has on his team, is the ability to or inability to challenge them to be better or challenge them to take more ownership of their teams. Uh, he got lucky with Chris Paul, who has that built in him already, where Billy doesn't necessarily have to do that. Chris Paul can be that guy, um, uh, be the bad guy if necessary. I don't know if Billy has that ability to challenge his stars. And I'm going just strictly based off of what I've seen him as a NBA coach um, and what he's done here mm-hmm. of challenging his stars to take that next step not just in basketball skill-wise, but it, it takes a lot more to win a basketball game than just being a skilled basketball player. Mm-hmm. 
Um, again, maybe Mo Cheeks is supposed to be that guy for Billy, but again, like I don't, I don't see that ability to look. If it's not, if the message isn't being relayed in private in in the practice, it has to be relayed in public then to the media. Like, look, I'm telling, I'm challenging these guys to step up and 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 be leaders that we need them to be to set this right. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard him say that in. Uh, in any of his press conference uh, press conferences uh, and it doesn't feel like it's being relayed in practices because I feel like there will be some sort of change or we'd hear it from a player I'm just not hearing those things yeah. that you would hope a team that's looking to get to the second round of the playoffs um, say like somebody's got to be honest about it's not just well we just you know we, we got to bring more energy we got to Nobody, I said this on the last podcast, nobody is taking ownership of them losing. And that's, again, another reason why it's been a disappointing year so far. Yeah, I think you cannot always go by public comments with a coach or an executive Mm -hmm. or players because you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And sometimes, you know, let's be honest, like, I'm a, I'm a media member. I know mm-hmm. this. You say one thing to the media, that's not always the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's and there's, you, there's a lot of times a deeper, different type of story to it. What you're alluding to, though, to me, is where, like, I, I get that the in-game adjustments, critiques, like, motivating guys to play with higher energy. I don't, I have a hard time, in regular season capacity especially, getting on Billy too hard for that because at the end of the day, I think the roster is is so flawed that I don't, I, I see schematic tweaks that they've made, like, and now granted, they're over the course of the offseason, so they're a little bit bigger picture. Mm-hmm. I personally think when you're at the level of being a professional athlete, I can't put it all on the coach if you're coming out and admitting to playing with low energy or low mm-hmm. effort. I just, I, I can't put that all on the coach because we're all adults here at a certain point and mm-hmm. we're all, you know, in a professional environment. Where Billy f- falls short to me, though, is kind of in the dynamic that you're talking about. Every... Each player on this team is not coached the same. Mm. Now, in the NBA, it's very common. Star players get treated differently. They get coached differently. Mm -hmm. That's not some, like, anomaly, oh, my God, the sky is falling thing. Mm -hmm. But I will say, last year, this is me being an outside observer to these teams, Boston and Dallas are two great examples to me of up-and-coming teams last year who had coaches, and let's not get into all the Udoka stuff. I'm not mm-hmm. like I'm not getting into that, but I'm just talking about the Strictly team itself. Basketball, yeah. Strictly basketball. Those two first year head coaches, Kid and Udoka, had growing pains, but had success, and ultimately the team connectivity was better because they held every player on the roster to the same standard of play. Right. Like we saw it when the when the Celtics collapsed against the Bulls last year, there was infighting. Mm-hmm. But eventually it brought them and there was, it seemed like discomfort with the way that, you know, they were being coached. Mm-hmm. Eventually worked out for the better. I think of the anecdote of uh, Luca during the Phoenix series last year when Jason Kidd came out. I don't remember his exact phrasing, but basically it was like, he's got to participate mm. defensively. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're going to get to where we need to go. Yeah. And you saw the energy shift there a little bit, and they end up making it to the, the conference finals. So, again, I'm not saying that this is like, a, oh, no NBA head coach coaches this way like obviously star players are held to different standards but it's so obvious though rob yeah it's it's and and honestly like it's just the the ceiling is so much higher if you are a coach that is able to walk that line Mm -hmm. um so that that is where billy 
fall short to me. Uh, and again, I'm not putting 100% on anybody. I think it goes around. We should. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we've kind of gotten at the front office a lot with the, you know, the way that they've handled, um, you know, addressing needs that we identified mm-hmm. last off season. But to me, the 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 three best players fall short of of setting the tone and. You know, maybe they'll figure out like this kind of these new offensive principles and learn how to play together better as the year goes on. To this point, they haven't yet. Um, they probably deserve more than 15 games to figure that out. And then Billy with that with the accountability stuff, top to bottom. Because mm-hmm. to me, like I know I just said you can't base it publicly, but there is a, a trend in the public comments of when it's a question of you know stuff that could be put on Zach Demar, whoever it gets blown out to a team perspective, mm-hmm. but. Io, Kobe, Pat, they get called out in public all the time. Mm. And I'm not saying that that's not deserved or that these guys don't like it because right. Io specifically talks Use all it. the time that he yeah. loves hard coaching mm-hmm. and that this is how he likes to be coached. So that's good coaching to me. Right. If the guys are if those guys are responding to it, um, but it's just it's clearly not the same for everybody on mm-hmm. uh, on the roster. So that that to me is like th- that's the big Billy thing. Yeah, and as a as a person. And if you're trying to lead a group of people, you have to know where your flaws are and see if you can build the group to support those flaws. Mm -hmm. If you aren't that type of coach, you need somebody on your coaching staff to be that guy. You just have to. Mm -hmm. Who's going to bring up everybody um, um, and challenge them and force them to look at their flaws so they can be become better. Mm-hmm. There are growing pains with that and some awkwardness and uncomfortabilities with that. You, you're, those are two great examples of what happened last year. Who wants to uh, uh, poke at Luca, right, if you're supposed to be working with him? Who wants to make him angry when he is everything in a part of that organization? Who wants to poke Jalen and, and uh, Jason Tatum? They are the two pillars of that organization. There's awkwardness and there's uncomfortableness. There may be a team meeting, you know, that needs mm-hmm. to needs to happen to to get them uh, involved. But on the other side of that, look what happened. Mm-hmm. Like there's more glory to be had and more uh, uh, winning to be had on the other side of that, and more connectiveness on the other side of that. You just have to get to and through that awkward phase. And great and great players want to be coached. Yeah, right? uh, the, the majority of them. Kevin do. Durant just said that. Yeah, yeah. He was like, <laughs> I requested a drink because we weren't practicing hard enough. <laughs> Basically, shout out to, to Chris Haynes who had that great um, sit down with KD that was all over the place. So we'll see how that develops. Um, but I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. The best three players setting the tone mm-hmm. and the and that, um, you know, uh, critique of uh, of Billy. Although, you know, I, I do think, um, you know, I think they get more than 15 games, mm-hmm. especially because they are, they are, I know there's the perception that, this team is still so isolation dominant. There mm-hmm. are times when they are, but they no, are. They, they've gotten better. With they that. are playing yeah. differently this year. They clearly have taken it to heart. It's just can they weather the growing pains of it, right? Without, you know, folding to it mm-hmm. over time. So we got to we got to see, and I think that'll ultimately be a test of the players and of of Billy's coaching. Um, because man, twelve months ago Billy Billy was coach of the year, front yeah. coach of the year. Now, granted, yeah. it was early in the season. Um. We can talk front office too. Okay. Uh, I mean, we've said it all. Not enough shooting. Not enough two-way players. Mm-hmm. Not enough rim protection. I like the Dragic and Drummond pickups. They've exceeded my expectations. Mm-hmm. They're bench players. Yeah. Drummond 
is he did close a game for Vooch, which I think that, like, Billy is, he is a coach, though, that will ride the hot hand, and, mm-hmm. like, he, he did make that adjustment. I think, he, you know, you should get some credit for that. But for the most part, those guys are going to be capped in the 20 to 25 minutes a game range, mm. which is why the starting lineup suggestion of Dragic starting for Io, I think that makes that first unit better. It's no disrespect to Io. Dragic has been a better point guard this year. He, he can, and as he a veteran, he can handle other veterans. Yeah. But just the impact of those guys is capped, especially because the team is juggling wanting to be at its best late in the season and you got to keep a guy like Dragic who's 36 years old his minutes under control it's a okay. tough line to walk it, it it is because I that that's what I wanted right mm-hmm. going into the season I'm like all right they're good enough to make the playoffs are they good enough to adjust and and work things out in the middle of the season like the good teams do and then be prepared for the playoffs I think at least early on they got to start winning games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mentioned, I think, before we started recording, it, or maybe during this recording, that I feel like they may probably need to switch back to what was working last year, which was DeMar dominant, and then you go for it. Yeah, I, I'm not there yet. And okay. the reason I'm not there yet, I'm going to pull the standings up quick. Six and nine, the last two losses have not felt good, mm-hmm. I imagine. Two games out of a top six spot. Mm-hmm. The East, the only two East teams that have separated themselves to me are Milwaukee and Boston. Mm-hmm. Boston's 12 and three, Milwaukee's 11 and three. They're like, they're six games above the Bulls essentially right now. I think, because think about how far away November and December of last year feel when the Bulls were at their best. Like, if they really commit to making the changes that need to be made and developing an entire team as opposed to just honing in on one to two guys. November and December of this year, which might be rocky, could feel like a world away in February or March. I don't think you could throw your hands up yet. I hope they don't. But, like you said, there are so many pressures of this season. Mm-hmm. Vooch contract year, Pat's up for an extension next offseason, Kobe contract year, yep. Javante contract year, Drummond player option for next year. Like, I know they wanted to establish the continuity for this year. Mm-hmm. They might want to keep doing that moving forward, but you don't have a choice at a certain point. Yeah. This is the NBA. Like, the clock doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Contracts expire. Primes begin and end. Um, So I get that exercising patience is tough. I actually don't expect the patience aspect. I think it, patience is actually going to end up frustrating the fan base more. Right. Because at this point, what the front office is and what the team is doing is being patient with this core and saying, let's give these guys a chance to adjust. Let's get Lonzo back, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you evaluate what the team looks like, and then maybe that's when bigger moves start to happen. Yeah, but then we're doing, you know, like, in in your opinion, obviously we're not reporting anything here. <laughs> when do you think around what time you think Lonzo will be back? Uh, Shams and KC have both been kind of consistent i think or mm-hmm. i think shams had it first but that what the optimistic timeline was like mid to late january something like that I, he hasn't been on the court yet and again yeah not, i'm not reporting anything but this yeah, is just how not, my mind works report. he hasn't been back on the court yet but it, it seems like it's going okay mm-hmm. so far but here's the thing if and when he gets back on the court he's not going to play in 12 months so there's going to be a whole reintegration yes, period right. and then when he gets this is what we talked about on the last show too 
when he comes back, if and when he comes back, is this dude, is he like the same? Like the he's going to be player? expected to be the savior when mm-hmm. look at Zach from a much more minor knee kind of reworking situation. They both have past histories with the knee that's mm-hmm. affecting them. And Zach's taken a little bit to get back to the level that he expects to play at and that we expect him to play at. Mm-hmm. So for Lonzo, longer absence, more complex and convoluted knee issue, and a guy who, not in the same way that that Zach is relying on his athleticism in terms of exploding and finishing above mm-hmm. the rim and breaking guys down off the dribble, Lonzo is relying on athleticism too mm-hmm. because the dude is in five places at once defensively when right. he's at his best. And What's that knee going to feel like going through a couple screens? What is... You know, uh, banging with because they're. I mean, they're. Uh, he's a decent ba- rebounder. He, like. He's a decent rebounder. Mm-hmm. He guards one to four. Yeah. He was guarding one. To four. He was guarding Julius Randle down the stretch of games. Like that's just one example that pops into my head. So, like, man, like mid to late January is the most optimistic I can get, and even that's like a leap of faith. But then it's like, what's the reintegration period going to be yeah, like? And then the season, like the stretch run of the season, catches up to you pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah, because if we're if we're saying he actually comes back in Bulls uniform late January, he has adjustments to the All Star break. Mm-hmm. After the All Star break, it's a sprint. We found that out last year with this <laughs> After, team when yeah. when losses started to pile up, mm-hmm. and it was like an avalanche. Yeah, that it happens after after that week off uh, from uh, from All Star weekend. Things get serious real quick. Mm-hmm. Teams get serious real quick. Mm-hmm. So if you're still trying to adjust and we have that to evaluate you, how are they going to evaluate the continuity at that point? Yeah. Right? If we have just that much time to figure out if this is the roster to be had going forward into next season. Well, but th- but that's the thing, right? You want, you're not going to have much time. Mm-hmm. But the decisions kind of get made they, for you at a certain point. Mm. Right, like guys, guys' contracts come off the books, and you know now we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Now I don't want to mm-hmm. have a next off season conversation right mm-hmm. now, but it is going to be an interesting off season because you got uh, those guys that I all just mentioned coming off the books, mm-hmm. and with the tax threshold still a cap on this team right now. Just being realistic, it is. You do not have enough money coming off the books to bring back all of the same guys, mm-hmm. so decisions have to be made. And hoops are going to have to be jump through. We give the front office a lot of credit for making the best of an inflexible situation in the 2021 offseason, working all the sign-in trades, staying above the cap the way they did, but making really significant additions that spurred improvement for a time. They're going to be tested again. And really sense that wave of signings. I again I like the Dragon and Drummond signings, but they have not maximized resources since then. Other mm-hmm. than really, I would say take an IO. Yeah. Thirty eight. Like you get a starter, you mm-hmm. get a starting level. As much as we're saying Dragic has outplayed I this season, you got a starting level player early in the second round. Mm-hmm. Big up big ups. Kudos. That's yes. That's that is good work. Um well, having with your 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 two first rounders though. T B D. T B D. Um and that and that's an issue too. I mean mm-hmm. This front office was the draft and development. That was the mantra coming in. Yeah. Um, the style of play that was described was high octane, emphasis on shooting, you know, ball movement, stuff like that. That's been there in spurts. But the enduring identity of this 
team that has been built. Lonzo hasn't been on the floor for the majority of it, but that's sorry, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Like that's just the you, way it's played they out. Took that risk. You took that calculated risk. Yeah. Yeah. New Orleans is better for it right now. <laughs> yeah. They they look really good. And they and and look at there's a team. Now, granted, they had all of last. Well, shoot, I guess kind of so did the Bulls. They had half a season to play without Zion, uh, to play without Lonzo last year, right? New Orleans played all of last season without Zion. Started off terribly. Mm-hmm. Were resilient, figured it out, and like, sure, they only won one more playoff game than the Bulls last year. Nobody left the playoffs thinking, like, they actually gave Phoenix a legitimate run for their money. The mm-hmm. Bulls did not give the Bucks a run no. for their money in, in in the first round last year, and they did that without. Now, we could quibble about who their best player is now, but going into last season, you would have said, shoot, they're without their best player all year. That team that played, that, you know, kicked the Bulls' butts last yeah. night mm-hmm. and beat Memphis the night before, they have an identity with, well, they actually might still be finding their identity with Zion, but they clearly have one without, without him. him. Yep. And are a tough, tough, tough team to play mm-hmm. with or without him. Like, to me, that's the mark of a truly deep, versatile well-built rosters, being right. able to do that. Now, granted, at some point, injuries are too much to weather or whatever, but not having the Jenga stack fall without one of your guys, as great as Lonzo is. And we have been so complimentary of Lonzo. Mm-hmm. Like, he is incredible to watch when he's on. Mm-hmm. Um, But it can't be all up to that one guy. And it's not. Shoot, I think I've talked more than you, which I didn't mean to do. <laughs> I'm supposed to be interviewing you. I'm sorry. No, no, I mean, I mean this is. I mean, we do this. We're just. Ta- I mean, we right. were just going to use that as a launching pad to then yeah, just we, talk about stuff. We talk about the Bulls all the time, just kind of off air, and it's like every day, you know, we're always you know thinking about something or or in relation to the Bulls uh, via another team. It's just, look, man, they, we thought it'd be better. It hasn't. It's still early, so they still have time. To get it right, but we need some evidence. What would you would you what would you do? Would you change the starting lineup? Would you test out would you test out any dudes that haven't played? Like what is there is there a tweak? You know what's the, the, the funny thing is when you think about a tweak, right? You never think about taking out one of those three. Like and again, we have mentioned and praised Io. That would be the on, only one well, that one and then taking out your young guys, when it's not necessarily their fault, it's you making you're making the switches of taking out Io and and maybe Patrick. You're changing the deck chairs on the Titanic, right? Isn't that the saying? Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that's probably a little strong. This isn't the ti- this isn't the Titanic. Should, that was probably a little much, but but you will make the moves to try and help out the three best players who you shouldn't have to help out in mm-hmm. in that degree. So. That would be my only thought was to not saying switch the minutes, but start off maybe with Dragic. You try and keep the same minutes, but Io plays the majority of them. Mm-hmm. Um, where it, it would where be, at least yeah. Dragic can set the, the tone and tempo of what is to be expected through the game in terms of ball movement. Um, again, like I would love to start Caruso, but his shooting is just not – yeah, not applicable right now to be playing. Now, granted, Io's been in the slump too, like larger minutes. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Those three dudes just got to play better. I'm trying to find the uh, Caruso. Yeah. So those... you guys, so I'm looking at the five man lineup of Caruso, 
uh, sorry, Io, well, this is Io, Caruso, DeRozan, Williams, Vucevic, because that's the starting five that's mm-hmm. played when Zach has missed games. That's their second most used five-man lineup, and it's a minus 26 in 59 <laughs> minutes. I don't have the advanced uh, in front of me. Huh. So, yeah, what, what, would it lo- what would it look like with um, with Caruso in the Io spot and Zach mm-hmm. in there? I can maybe find that quickly. Yeah, um, man, it's... It's going to be a small sample size, whatever it is. But I I don't know what the strategic move is if there's no buy-in from everybody. Mm-hmm. Like if they're not, it just com- sucks that that's in question. Now, yeah. and is it fair to question after two games when, like, really we can't we can't? It pay- is. It is when they point it out and then nothing changes when, after that. When they point it out and it feels consistent. With yeah. The end of last year again. That's the gift and the curse of continuity. Mm-hmm. It's a gift for us analysts because or people who observe and like give you know thoughts and opinions is. It's 15 games I, in. 15, and 15, games, 15 games is early, and I think it's early to evaluate, like, offensively, like, oh, this team's going to be bad offensively all year. Like, no, we can give them some time to because they implemented new stuff coming mm-hmm. into the year. But in terms of, like, makeup stuff, mm-hmm. because it's the same core group, it's more than a 15-game sample because mm-hmm. we saw it um, for a lot of last year. And I get it. Like, we and we we, we beat the Patrick Williams-Javante thing in, into the ground mm-hmm. coming into the season. Yeah. To me, like, yeah, like, you know, maybe Javante gives you a little bit of a couple little bursts of energy or whatever, but it just right. it, does, it feels like a band-aid. It doesn't yeah, feel. It's not sustainable. It's nice that the reason why those plays uh, jump out at us about Javante is because they're not expected. Of Oy vey. Yeah, this lineup is not is not fared well in 50, <laughs> in 50 possessions. Minus 21.5. Like I said, too small to say. I'm not going to mm-hmm. take anything away from that. Um, But here's the, here's the balance, though. Like, once you start shifting guys' roles and now mm-hmm. everybody's you know doing different has different responsibilities on a night to night basis can you do that can you just start flipping pieces all over the board on a game to game basis mm-hmm. when the mission statement of the year was continuity. continuity i know that word probably f- really frustrates a large swath of the fan base <laughs> but yourself included mm-hmm. but if that was truly your conviction coming into this year can 15 games knock you off of it? You can't, like, as much as it's alarming right now, mm-hmm. can you just, can you can you blow too easily with the wind? Or do you kind of have to stick to your guns and say, the schedule's going to soften up, we're going to adjust to the new offensive stuff a little bit, we're going to keep bringing Lonzo along. And, again, I said it earlier, mm-hmm. the middle four, the middle three to two, 10 of the East right now is separated by two games. Mm-hmm. Atlanta in third place is nine and six. The Bulls are six and nine. That's three games back. I don't know. Like, is that, is, is it, is it, this is why I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions. Cause right. I genuinely am asking, is it too early to pull the trigger on some tweaks like that? Are you going to disrupt stuff? Or can you just not, can you not let it slip away? Yeah. Do you feel it slipping and you got to, you got to nip it in the bud. There's again, there's levels before you get to strategic, actively moving pieces around right can you motivate this group to adjust to do what they need to do before it gets to that level that's like final step Mm -hmm. of if nothing changes okay i have to start changing some minutes around um that's the final step for me i'm still i'm stiving i'm still giving them the opportunity to look at themselves and and really try and get this going. 
in terms of Zach, Demar, Vooch. With with the convictions that they had coming into the season. Right. Right. I'm still giving them that opportunity because it's, it is 15 games. Do I have hope that it will change? No. <laughs> but I think they should at least try and internally figure this out, get everybody settled, readjust, get back at it. Now have the opportunity uh, when this comes out against Orlando, when you guys hear this, against Orlando. Orlando's not the best team. And they're missing guys. The Palo, Palo's out. Right. And they're Cole Anthony's guys. out. Yeah, a lot of these. They've got some guys who haven't played yet this year that theoretically would be guys. Fultz. Right. I guess Gary Harris is going to make a season debut tomorrow. Okay. I don't care. This is the, ma- this is the magic. You got to yeah. beat the magic. Like, you got to beat the At home, you got to right. beat the magic. Like, and what do you want to see from them process-wise, regardless of what the final score is? Are you cool if it's a if it's DeMar, DeMar ISO game, game? And, it's, and it's 45 points, but they win by 15? Just to get a win in the column, you have to be cool with that at this point. I would because they do need the win. Yeah, uh, I would be more happy if they stuck with it and they win by like five, six. But I know by watching them that they've stuck with their game plan of you know moving the ball around, getting everybody involved, you know, defensively, you know, locking down. I feel better about that. But at this point, they need they need the win. But again. How much of that growth period is happening when you have to revert back, you know, to that if you're not going to stick with it? Mm-hmm. If it's just going to, well, we need this win, so now we're going to go back to what we were trying to do. Like, when they know that they can always revert back to what they were, like, how does that impact? I just think once you do that, not, you haven't consciously done it, but you've subconsciously punted on on the playoff goals. Because mm-hmm. Billy has, he's on record a million times saying, DeMar's brilliant, but if we're going to succeed against the best teams and if we're going to succeed against them in a playoff environment, we have to be we have to go into the postseason or into the stretch run of the season with a different mindset, and guys on the team need to be developed and brought along. But like We need to have a full rotation. It can't just be built around one or two guys. Right. So as soon as they revert back full-time to that, I get that you got to do it for stretches of games, mm-hmm. but or stretches within games, I should say. But once you do that, then it's just kind of it's last season, all over again. Mm. Um, continuity. Continuity. Uh, let's end on a couple high notes. What's your favorite win of the season so far? What's the win that What's the win that you look at and you go emulate that on a nightly basis? Who they come back against? Um, well, the boss. So the Boston win probably was the most fun. Yeah. Just because they were down big in the first quarter and they end up blowing them out mm-hmm. at home, and it was like that was the peak like active defense game. Mm-hmm. I like I like the Indiana win outside of the Boston one. That was a straight blowout. Oh yeah. man, could they use one of those? Like just a wire to wire, like up fifteen to twenty points the yeah. entire game. And and I know that Indiana really like Indiana is being competitive. They're ahead of the Bulls in the standings right now. They're so, in the top six right now. Yeah, Indiana is. So I like that Indiana win. Um, outside of that that Boston win, that's probably my my favorite win because I know. Ben Matherin is is going after heads right now, and to withstand that energy and to match that energy at that point, I thought was 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 a good showing from him. Ben Mather him. <laughs> uh, my favorite's the second Raptors win. Okay, because it was a full team effort. It was Demar getting basically tackled on every mm-hmm. trap, and they did it as a collective. And it was that mini playoff back-to-back environment where, like, you had a night to make adjustments. Right. And they did. And 
it worked and it was a double digit win and it was at home. And I, I thought that was like, I think I even wrote that that's the type of win that even though it's in November, you can see the nuggets of, all right, these are things that actually, you know, could be sustainable just behaviorally or like process wise or whatever. Um, Celtics win was also great. Hornets win was a wire to wire blowout. Mm. Uh, and then the Brooklyn win that that's like Zach going crazy. That's what you'd love to see that yeah. in terms of him finding his, finding his way back. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't take us long to list every win that the Bulls have this season, <laughs> uh, but it's only been 15 games. Oh, the Heat season opener. We've almost forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. That's a good win, too. Um, more positives. The schedule's going to lighten up. Uh, I didn't pull up the exact rankings of their strength, the schedule, but when you look at the last six games, it's close loss at Boston, at Toronto, I don't know. It's a nine point nine point loss. That game was competitive. Uh, then the bounce back win against Toronto. I just called my favorite one of the season. Close loss to New Orleans, where Brandon Ingram goes crazy. Then two not competitive blowouts to Denver and New Orleans. All of those teams are playoff teams, and depending on your feeling on Denver, you could say there are two title contenders right. in there. So you got Orlando. You got an Oklahoma City team that you cannot take lightly next Friday. Oh, they man. play hard. Shea is and hooping, Shea is, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, you got a Utah team that's exceeded expectations. Phoenix, Golden State looking mm-hmm. for get-right games left and right. Sacramento was beating the brakes off people. Mm-hmm. So there are winnable games in there. Obviously, Orlando tomorrow. Then you got Boston, Milwaukee. You got to win the winnable games, in, and like we've always talked about, you got to steal some. Yeah against those top-tier teams, and get back towards 500. Because I don't think any Bulls fan that's realistic would argue with holding around 500, maybe a game or two up, maybe a game or two below, until Lonzo gets back. Right? With the way the East is set up this year, I think that would be acceptable, being competitive on a nightly basis Mm -hmm. and staying around that 500 line and then seeing what happens when Lonzo comes back, when and if. But right now, three games under, one and five in their last six. Stop the bleeding. Yeah. Stop the bleeding. Yeah. I mean, we know that they aren't championship contending. We know that. Mm-hmm. So, losses against Boston, Denver, hey, you know, it is what it is. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Uh, but the team, the New Orleans, you got to be compete with them. You have to. Orlando, you got to beat them. You got to beat Charlotte. Like, the teams that you absolutely have to beat. And look, we I don't want to be at the end of the season, right? And be like, man, should have gotten that one game. Man, should have gotten that. <laughs> should have got, won I've, that I've game. already got a couple of those. Yeah. Washington like, and San Antonio already. Right. This, yeah. this isn't last season where it's like, oh, it's still early in the season. They're still trying to figure out. No. Every game we're breaking down, and here on the Bulldog Podcast, every, and on ZSportsChicago.com, uh, mm-hmm. we're breaking down every game because all these games matter. All the games matter this year. So we'll see. That we will. Um, thank you for watching and listening. I think that's all we got. Tony, sorry I dominated your interview. No, it's fine. That's, um, we're good. You're, you're, you're on the beat. People need to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, I think I, people, people hear a lot from me, but I hope I'm, uh, I hope I'm reasonable, level-headed, mm-hmm. because I'm not I, – I, I really – I've been a sports fan. Everybody who's in my profession has been a fan at one right. point or another. I'm not a Bulls fan specifically, never have been, but – I know what it's like to be a fan, and I know watching this team, the things that would frustrate me if I was a fan <laughs> of this team, and I try to, you know, 
empathize with that and bring as much insight mm-hmm. and as much, um, you know, data, like back stuff up. Like right. Zach Vooch and DeMar don't look like they're playing well together. The net rate, the net rating tells you that that is, <laughs> that is correct or whatever, you know. Yeah, Vooch like and that. DeMar specifically, that's your man's, right? You recruited him here. Yeah. Like, that's your guy. Like, figure it out. Let me fact check you. Uh, actually, DeMar and Vooch on the floor and Zach off is uh, plus 4.9. Let's go then. One eighteen. Bring Zach in. Come on. <laughs> well, and, and actually the best, uh, one of the best kind of combinations where you go on off is Zach on them off, but that's because he's playing with the bench guys. Mm. Um, but, man, I mean, we even talked about the bench thing, right? When we were talking about how great the bench was a few games mm. ago, it was like, this is great. How much does it really mm. mean big picture when you're right. talking about Guys that are playing. How much you can depend on that, right? I mean, they're they're on the bench because of they can't be consistent. I mean, you saw you saw it last night. Yeah. Starters get off to a bad start, or the Pelicans are hot shooting. However, mm-hmm. you look at it, you could look at it either way. Bench comes in five point lead in the second quarter, but at some point, it's that first unit. Like mm-hmm. that is the bedrock of this team, and that's the group that. Well, I guess I don't have the combinations in front of me, but that's certainly the group that at the beginning of the third quarter the game got away from. Yep. And at the beginning of the first quarter puts you in the hole that when that second unit makes a run, if they're expanding a lead, it feels so much better than they're clawing back, mm-hmm. and then you got to grit your teeth when, when they come out again, <laughs> you know? And that's kind of what the experience has been. Uh-huh. The bench mob hits different when it's a accessory right. of an already great... Not a necessity. Ooh. Ooh, Ooh. Bars. What? I don't know who made it to the end of this. <laughs> like anybody who made it to the end of this, though, um, hopefully enjoyed that a uh, little bit of spontaneous rhyming. Uh, all right, we'll get out of here now. All right. Bulls Talk Podcast. Thank you, Toyota. Thank you to everybody who is out there watching and listening. Be sure to tune in for a weirdly big no- mid-November game between the Bulls and Magic. <laughs> <laughs> On our air tonight, as you're listening to this, yeah, we'll call it that. We'll call it that to get to get to get people to tune in. Thank you to Tony for stopping by mm-hmm. and indulging me and everybody out there. Good vent sesh on the early season bulls. Let's see if they can turn it around. Whether they do or not, we will be here with you through it all. See you next week. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.